1: Hi, and welcome to our podcast, The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Meara, Democratic pollster with PSB Research. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls driving the news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So first, a couple of announcements. This is our Second show now with our new partnership with Westwood One. And or- our first show in this fantastic booth. But I know. Apparently we're only going
0: to be <laughs> for like one or two more shows. But we really love it though. But it's wonderful.
1: It, we can we can I, we save so it and legit. put it in the museum, like <laughs> <laughs> the booth that Kristen and Margie got to use for one or two episodes, because it's so much nicer to not well once and for me to not have to plug in all the little things and like podcast orders. What are we gonna do orders. about our little
0: bar cart though? We ha- I got this great little bar have cart at Target. On it.
1: <laughs> we'll just use it for its like an animal, purpose. like some kind of animal. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our big announcement. It's you know so if you're hearing about this. It's you know, that's pretty exciting. We're super excited. And also, if you have not yet gone back to listen to our episode where we interviewed Tony Fabrizio, Trump pollster, and Joel Benenson, Clinton pollster, you absolutely must, must listen to it. Go do it.
0: It's the best episode we've done, and certainly you've heard at this point about the the mayhem that went down at this Harvard campaign manager's conference. People were conference.
1: gasping in the audience yeah, listening to the Yeah, I, I was
0: already on my way to the airport and I'm getting emails from Margie like I don't even know what I'm watching, like oh my gosh. Yeah. So, I mean what we captured was like the moment before that all went down. Like this was during the lunch break before the big final sessions. Everyone so, was very civil. So everyone was very civil and very candid and Tony gave us incredible insights and Joel was great. I mean, I feel like I I genuinely learned a ton. Yeah. I
1: mean, Marge and I don't even talk that much in the episode because we just were like, let's just let them talk. Right. Which is not correlated to it being one of our favorite (laughs) episodes. But it made news. It also made news, which was cool. Daily Beast covered it. Yeah. People were listening to it. So go check it out if you haven't already. Um, So. And then just a quick correction.
0: Uh, So I think I mentioned this on last week's show. I, during my solo cast, was rambling nonsense about other data sources that people can use when they're trying to figure out what happened in this election. And I talked about the ANES, which is the American uh, National Election Study. It's been going on forever. Um, And I I think I'm mis- spoke about the way that it is conducted and I got a great email from listener Laura um, who informed me that this is actually primarily a face-to-face interview. I think I talked about it being part, you know, Knowledge Networks being a part of it. They do methodologically advanced like experimental pieces to this, but it is a face-to-face study. Cool. So I I wonder if that
1: gives you any kind of different results if you're doing something face-to-face. Do you, you... even more or less likely to say that you voted or what you, you know how do your response anyway that's well, a question and for another the time. other
0: thing that she corrected me on I was unclear on who had access to it I remembered having access to it and digging into it when I was in grad school and so I assumed it was one of those things you could only get like oh you've got to be at an academic institution to get it nope Apparently that's not the case. Anybody can get it. Everybody should get it. Laura says, quote, that part is important for folks to know because every year or what seems like it anyway, Congress threatens to take away the NSF funding, the National Science Foundation funding that goes to political science and a large portion of that funds this study. Um, And so she says we want people realizing this resource is there so that they'll use it and they will get how great it is and that will hopefully make it less vulnerable to getting hacked out of the budget
1: that is an incredibly awesome correction.
0: i am a fiscal conservative and i want our government to have good data on how to make good policy so don't cut the funding to this
1: stuff find your budget cut somewhere else and rant keep mine there's plenty of other stuff to cut <laughs> leave this stuff alone okay <laughs> that's like opposite nimbyism right um so okay <laughs> So what are the top lines, Kristen? How
0: does Donald Trump's president-elect bounce stack up? We'll take a look at what how Donald Trump's numbers match up to other presidents who are just elected. Do we live in a fact-free world now? A new study is out about whether or not people believe fake news headlines. We've also seen a bit of a bounce in the popularity of the Electoral College. We'll dig into how that stands. Donald Trump has been tweeting about Carrier and Boeing. Has he scrambled the normal partisan divide on issues like government meddling in the market and do people think that he tweets too much we'll take a look at some elections internationally and end on a story of a big fake news story or maybe it's a real news story
1: about santa claus that's right but first we have our poll of the week and the poll of the week is we have hit peak pollsters so now not only is there polling about all kinds of stuff out there Pumpkin spice lattes and Star Wars. There's polling about whether or not you trust the pollsters and the polls. So Kristen talked about this a little bit. There was a Pew study that she spoke about a couple of weeks ago on her solo cast where pollsters got record low grades for the media. Uh, for pollsters also media got record low grades. But the biggest drop particularly was for pollsters from this cycle to previous cycles with over with about half giving pollsters either a D or an F. Ouch. I didn't. I didn't get those kinds of grades, but I guess so much for being graded on a curve as pollsters are not very good. And then Ipsos did a poll, Ipsos Mori, and they've been tracking this since the 90s. So both of these polls go, actually go back quite a long ways. People have been tracking views toward polling. I not
0: people have been tracking it that long. I, I know. I thought we, I mean, this is... I'm so naive. I'm, I've only been in this field a you decade. Live in a, such a bubble, I live Kristen. in such a bubble. I didn't realize we our brand has been monitored since the 80s.
1: I know. Crazy. Well, it turns out it's not doing so well. So. Not great Bob. Not great. Right, so with all it's you know, I guess it's a downside of all this extra coverage and scrutiny perhaps. Um so in this kind of either or question, do you, would, would you tell me if you generally trust pollsters to tell the truth or not? And Now you just about half, 49% say they trust pollsters to tell the truth at 42% say they do not. I mean, we're better off than like politicians. Yes. So it's not great,
0: but it's not horrible.
1: Yes. But it's, it looks like almost, I guess there's been another time where it was closer to tell the truth and do not trust to tell the truth around 2011 for some reason, but um. It still looks pretty bad so pollsters we will have a always a
0: tell you the truth on this show
1: we might be wrong we <laughs>
0: will be wrong but we will never lie to you listeners we will always tell you the truth that's right even if we are truthfully wrong that's right that's uh, so right. speaking of things that are not great but not horrible Donald Trump's favorable ratings so as of election day Donald Trump's favorable ratings not so hot a part of why many folks like us thought Donald Trump didn't have a great shot at being president. Even Tony Fabrizio in our podcast last week said... This is a moment when fave unfave seems like it may not mean as much. You can have a worse fave unfave than your opponent and still win. But sure enough, Donald Trump's favorable rating has improved. Everybody loves a winner, it seems, or at least 48% of Americans. According to the Politico Morning Consult poll, they have Donald Trump's favorability rating right at, at even, 48 favorable, 48 unfavorable. And I wanted to take a look and see how this stacks up with other presidents. Is a bump like this normal? Is a bump like this bigger than what people normally normally get so when president obama was first elected he came in with a higher favorable rating to begin with on election day he was viewed favorably by 61 percent of people yeah which is
1: he had like like twice as many
0: as were had a favorable view of donald trump yeah um Almost twice as many. And but both of them saw a bump of six to seven points. So Donald Trump's numbers in the last month have gone up about seven points on the favorable side. Barack Obama's went up six points on the favorable side. And then I looked back at George W. Bush and it's harder to draw a comparison because he didn't actually lock down. Like, yes, you are going to be president until December.
1: Right. So that other time when someone won the popular vote, but lost the electoral (laughs) college
0: hey people like the electoral college a lot more than they did back then margie we'll get to that in a second yes (laughs) small states for the win uh no literally 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 (laughs) um so with bush the comparison is harder but he had a favorable rating of 59 percent in december of 2000 but again that was also right around the time that he got it, it was said that he would be the president so I don't know what his bump is, but he was at 59% favorable. Obama was at 67% favorable. Makes Trump's 48 look not so great, but it's definitely an improvement over where he was a few weeks ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, obviously that's good news. I mean, part of that is, you know, good news for him. Part of that's people coalescing behind, okay, he won, and, you know, that's what's happening. I mean, part of it could also be what they're hearing from him, that they're hearing him do things that are... You know, less campaign mode. I, I, I it's it's painful. More, it's the pain, Apprentice Cabinet Edition. <laughs> it's it's painful for me to say that they're presidential because you know he's still tweeting. He still has a you know there's still a third. There's this is from Morning Consult also about a over a third of Trump voters thinks he tweets too much. I mean, there's still you know he's still got like picking fights with Alec Baldwin and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but people I, pe- I,
0: people don't mind these pick and fights without – they knew what they signed up for. Yes. America knew what they were signing but up for. But in addition
1: to that stuff, which he was doing before, he is now doing some things that are a little bit more part of the job, I guess. You know, picking cabinet folks, and some of them are lightning rods, and some of them aren't um, or are less so. Um, and then the carrier deal –
0: Yeah, let's talk about how people are thinking about some of these actions that he's taken. Because this is, being on the right, this is fascinating to me to watch how his presidency has just scrambled things so remarkably ideologically. Yes, Um, and that's
1: what Tony Fabrizio said as well in our episode, that, you know, he's not a purist. He's not winning because he's a, a purist. That wasn't... Anyway, but that's
0: yeah. So so you know, uh, Politico Morning Consult they did their poll and they asked people what they thought about the carrier deal. And the way they framed it was by saying Donald Trump's deal with Carrier, which resulted in a thousand jobs staying in Indiana rather than moving to Mexico. So and they what they found was that sixty percent of voters said they viewed Trump more favorably hey, after hearing know? that. Uh, eighty-nine percent of Trump voters, yes, thirty-two percent of Clinton voters, which is kind of, I don't know, that's not that's a pretty good number, right? Something, yes. Um, but now putting our pollster hat on, what do we think about this question wording here, where you say Trump's deal with Carrier, which resulted in a thousand jobs staying in Indiana, that to me feels like
1: you're saying here's the policy and here's the benefit of the policy, right? I mean, you either want to give. Less information, so you are simply gleaning res- responses to you know what people are walking in the door with. How do you feel about the carrier deal? People could say, No idea what you're talking about, or they answer however they felt about it that morning when they woke up, or you give them a little bit more on both sides. Um, this is not really giving them kind of both sides because it was very clearly a narrative in the press like. Trump had a win in the press because you know mm-hmm. company agreed to not move these jobs. The counter narrative is, well, they got a, you know a massive t- tax break and they're also still moving some jobs. Um, not to mention a variety of other ways you could you know further elaborate on that. Yeah, it story. doesn't.
0: I mean, the story came out the next day that well. But prices of these furnaces are now going to go up five percent. Surprise! Right. Or, I mean, so, so no had you
1: of government contracts to their parent, well, you know, all of that right?
0: So there's look more uh, than you need it, in it's... a question,
1: but a lot less of what's in here. Yeah, and
0: I'm, I am not in any way disputing that this is pro- a political win for Donald Trump. Right. I mean, it's, it most certainly is, um, but from a pollster perspective, the headline was like. Trump rocks it with this carrier. And look, if this is what people are actually hearing about the deal, then yeah, it's a huge political win. But the question itself, to your point, emphasizes it. Yeah, it emphasizes the benefit. And so, of course, if it's that always, you know, I think that's part of why you're seeing, oh, a third of Clinton voters are like, well, sure.
1: Great. We got a thousand jobs staying. That's good. If they had said, you know, which provide, you know, which gave them a $700,000 tax break or whatever it was in exchange for. The number of jobs it's also I don't think it's this many but let's even table that it doesn't even mention the tax break forget about all the other stuff it doesn't even mention the tax break so, so I think that's this
0: is the challenge a flaw welcome to the difficulty of polling anything on current answer or policy there's no one right way to do it and that's what our show is here
1: to. Yeah, no, I to mean, pick apart, right? And people are right. I'm sure you know they're figuring out how to ask the question very quickly, and perhaps this question went in the field before all the details came out. You know, we don't even right. know the answer. Yeah, to that.
0: exactly, exactly. And and I think there's another battery of questions that they asked that was really fascinating and was not about the specific carrier deal itself, but rather do you think it is acceptable or unacceptable for the president and vice president too? And it lists a bunch of things. And this was one of the things that just totally, it just blew my mind. Um, I mean, it shouldn't, it shouldn't and doesn't surprise me, but it's still just like, wow, we have so realigned so many things, like partisanship, Partisanship is so strong. Right. <laughs> Man. Yep. So in this in this poll, they ask you know a variety of things. Do you think it's acceptable for the president and vice president to directly negotiate with private businesses, offer tax breaks or incentives to keep to individual companies to keep jobs in the U.S., offer government contracts to individual companies to keep jobs in the U.S., negotiate with individual private businesses on a case-by-case basis, Republicans by margins of 69 or by 69 percent or more said acceptable to every one of these questions, far surpassing independents and far, far surpassing Democrats. So people are, I mean, you can totally imagine a scenario where Hillary Clinton wins the White House and you ask these questions and Republicans are like, heck no. Right. I don't think that the government should be meddling in private business. They shouldn't be cutting sweetheart deals. They shouldn't be giving special contracts to their friends and orders hey don't you know this is inappropriate we need to let the free market sort it out and Donald Trump has proven that that was a weakly held view if it was a view that was held at all by an awful lot of Republicans and there's a question that YouGov tweeted out yesterday that I, I, this is another one I beef with the question wording. But they said, the question is, do you agree or disagree with the following statement? The free market has been sorting the economy out and America's been losing. I don't even know
1: what that means. Right. So it's it's a little. We, I mean, I kind of know. I mean, I know. Yeah, what it means, like but I kinda like, had to read it a couple it's times. Not, it's a little. It's not quite American English. It's almost like British English.
0: Well, interesting. I hadn't thought of that.
1: Where they use like, you know, sort yourself out. I don't know. That's how I read it because it just doesn't really seem like – that's not a construction we would use.
0: Well, so that so that leads to it being confusing, right? The reason I saw this so much is I think a lot of the ways my conservative buddies have been reading this as America's been losing the, – the free market's been doing its thing and it's not. The free market's just not working
1: Whoa, out. Oh, I see. Yeah.
0: So, again, I'm with you that – I read this and I'm I like – the more I read it, the more possible interpretations I come up with. But <laughs> assuming that the intent was to say the free market's been doing what it does and that's not working out so much anymore, here's what blew people's minds. The percentage agreeing with that statement, 33 percent of Democrats, 38 percent of independents, 57 percent of Republicans – Wow.
1: I mean, maybe maybe and, and, people are reading it and they're just like, blah, 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 America's been losing. And, and they're just responding. They don't even know what the other yes, part is. Yes, and
0: that's what – so I think the monkey, the monkey cage guys tweeted this out. They had beef with it because this is what is known as a double-barreled question mm-hmm. where you're asking people to give you an up or down vote on something that has two pieces to it. Mm-hmm. So the first piece, the free market has been sorting the economy out. Do I agree or disagree? What does that even mean to your point? But then right. the second part, if all you hear is, and America's been losing –
1: you're going to have an opinion about that. You're going
0: to have an opinion about that. So, yeah. so I don't know to what extent I should go, "Oh my gosh, Republicans don't care about the free market anymore. What's happening? I'm all alone out here on my free market island with no friends." I maybe you're
1: your team Sarah Palin then when she called it I know it's capitalism. It's... What is happening? <laughs> Cats and dogs are living together. <laughs>
0: I know. So,
1: at any rate, I just yes.
0: that is that was the, the the number that was getting like O M G, free market conservatism is dead. Look, our party hates us. Um, that was but but I uh, b- agree with the monkey cage guys' criticism that what does that question even mean?
1: So, gang, folks who think of polling as just a bunch of statisticians throwing models and numbers and multiple regression around. You also need to have your written word make sense in a way that your respondents know what they're talking, know what you're asking them. So this is an example of that. All these questions are an example of that.
0: But if there are any pollsters out there about to throw a poll into the field who would like to ask a question that I think more clearly gets at to what extent Republicans think the free market is good versus, eh, nah, not so much anymore— I'm very interested in that yes. data,
1: right? You should just ask about the free markets <laughs> specifically, me if I have any which more I feel friends. like John De La Volpe has had in one of those anyway, we're never getting so. too far ahead. But here's another issue that I think is tough to figure out exactly how to frame it and how to ask about it, and that's the Trump conflict of interest basket of in- conflicts, <laughs> the basket of conflicts um because this is an issue that You know, and this is, I think, one of the consequences of so many folks thinking that Clinton was poised to win is that there wasn't a lot of exploration. There was tons of great journalism about Trump's finances and so on and his charitable contributions and his foundation and his vendor relationships, like all that stuff. There was so much great coverage I don't know if there was as much coverage about what the conflicts of interest would be like if he came in office. I mean, there was some, but it did not get this full breathing that it has since he's won, when now we realize the enormity of what's in store. And so there have been a couple questions. And uh, this is Bloomberg Politics and Ant Seltzer, who's been on our show many months ago Um And they ask, you know, she asked one question about, it. it's a couple sentences long. He plans to take himself completely out of business operations. His adult children may be involved in both running and serving as advisors. Should he sell all his businesses so that neither he nor his family could potentially profit from actions he takes as president or does that go too far? And most people, two-thirds say that goes too Mm -hmm. far. I don't want to dismiss these findings, but I feel like it needs a little bit more poking at because it's a new topic. It's complicated. We don't it's hard to explain what all the different consequences may be. Uh, it's not simply potentially profiting from actions as how other countries might behave if they know that they could use Trump's own family business as a leverage point that has some implications I know. well to- now there's
0: all these headlines about people now they're like oh i'm gonna throw my party at the trump hotel right so that I, you know that sort of stuff in the in the constitution there's a clause that basically says a foreign government can't give money to the president and the reasoning w- when it was created is apparently so that foreign countries couldn't bribe the president into taking particular actions right. here the conflict seems to be concerned the other way it's not concern about the president being bribed and therefore doing things to benefit other countries because he's on the take it that instead it's is he going to use his influence as president to enrich like it's kind of like the arrow going the other way mm. that the concern is can donald trump then go to a foreign government and be like um hey how about you approve my permit, or else, you know, nice little military treaty we've got going on there would hate for something to happen to it. Like, I'm not, or that's... even
1: a more simplistic version is that he's going to the negotiating table with other things besides what's best for our own national interest, sure. right? He's got his own, you know, set of interests that are competing.
0: But I get why. I mean, the the challenge is normally you wouldn't have to just like sell all of your assets. You would just put it all in a blind trust. The problem is you can't – it's hard for him to do that. And his sort of signaling about what he would do with a blind trust is not actually the definition of a blind trust. No, But I, I, it it actually doesn't surprise me at all that 7 out of 10 people think like, look, just because you're president doesn't mean –
1: you can't make money. You I mean, can't. I think that's the thing It's it focuses on the profit and people are like, well, he should profit. He's Donald Trump. He's a businessman. Right, right, right. And it doesn't It's like it's not just about him profiting. It's not about is he making X versus Y. It's all the other complications of it. Now, again, I'm not saying that this number is not right. I'm just saying that this is a, a very tricky, complicated question. It's it's not one of those questions where you can just ask people and they're like, oh, I know how to map that issue into my
0: yeah. Little and, issue
1: matrix in my head, it's not like that and, at all. And
0: right now, I mean, what we're seeing in poll number after poll number after poll number is people being really willing to give Donald Trump the benefit of the doubt now. We've come out of this really corrosive election, and now he's got his own supporters who are super excited that they actually won the White House. And then a another group of people who may not have loved him but are like, well, let's see how this goes. And so he's getting a lot of leash. I mean, so this other question in the Bloomberg poll, since his election, Donald Trump has backed off of some positions he took during the campaign. He says he will not push to have Hillary Clinton prosecuted over her private email server. He might keep some elements of Obamacare. He will not ban Muslims from entering the U.S. Do these seem like broken promises or are you fine with him making his adjustments, making adjustments to these positions? And three out of four say they're fine with him making adjustments. Now twenty percent say that's broken promises, and I would really be fascinated by the crosstabs there because I would assume that if you're a Democrat, you can agree that it is both a broken promise and
1: you're fine with it. Yes, right, exactly. <laughs> you're it's, like, right, it's a broken promise that I'm fine with because those I, I didn't, didn't like, like the promise promises. in the first yeah. place.
0: So uh, that's why I'd be interested in the crosstabs. Yeah. How many of these people saying that's a broken promise are people that are like, I wanted him to. Ban Muslims. And that's a broken promise. And I don't like that. You know, the Ann Coulter angry tweet storm type folks versus how many are like, yeah, he's totally breaking his promises to all of those people that supported him. Thank you. (laughs) You know, like I, so that I would want to see the crosstabs on that to know a little bit more. Um, The other thing that Donald Trump has been doing where he seems to be getting, uh, he has less of a, people view it less favorably. Let's put it that way. So his business stuff, people don't really have a big problem with right now, Um, him changing his positions on some things people don't really have a problem with right now, carrier deal people don't seem to have a problem with right now, his favorables are going up. So everything we've talked about thus far pretty rosy for him. Then in the Politico morning consult poll, they asked about Donald Trump's use of Twitter. Does Donald Trump tweet too much? (laughs) 56% of voters say yes, 79% of Clinton voters say yes, only 37% of Trump voters say yes. That's still a majority who thinks Donald Trump needs to put down the Twitter. I mean, I guess. Well, I mean. Then again, I tweet too much. I Like, this is a, it's a disease, guys. It's a sickness. It's an addiction. Yes. I'm sympathetic <laughs> to him not being
1: able to walk away from it. <laughs> what if there was some kind of, like, Twitter support group and, every, and it was like, you know, the West Wing where the VP has to go to like a super elite AA meeting and they're like, oh, you no, can't they... go to a meeting and they're like, no, it's got like a Supreme court justice and stuff in there. And so it's like the chief of staff and the VP and the, and like the Supreme court, they're all like in an AA meeting. What if there was like some kind of like top oh, secret, they
0: have like detox spot, Twitter,
1: a, Twitter, digital a detox. Meeting and it was like Donald Trump and Kristen Soltis Anderson. Like, <laughs> <laughs> a couple other people and you know nobody could talk about it outside nobody could tweet about what went on and you're a twitter anonymous i have meeting.
0: really tried to make an attempt though and this has been very important to me to only try to tweet positive things
1: twitter that's your post 2016
0: it is thing? it is only words of truth and graciousness are going to go on my twitter feed Unless I'm talking about, like, gator football or something. But I'm really try- – I mean, it's so easy to get so snarky on Twitter. And so I haven't been tweeting as much lately. It's not because I'm not critical of Donald Trump. I'm just trying to put less venom out there in the universe. Yes. When it is really justified, I'll do it. But I'm really trying to be more positive so it does not erode my soul.
1: Yeah. it's uh, Everybody's got a detox in their own way, right? Did you see – that article, and I was like, women all went to the hairdressers after the election and got radical, spontaneous oh. haircuts. <laughs> like after like, a breakup? Yes, exactly. That's what it said. <laughs> oh my God. And I was like, this article is just the biggest bunch of bull. And then I realized that I also went the day out, like, <laughs> and I got like a, a, a spontaneous Brazilian blowout. like, and I, But I'd forgotten because this is now like three weeks later. And I was like, this article is so... Dumb. I'm like <gasps> Wait, <laughs> <my> <laughs> mate, <laughs> no, this is me. It's like I'm looking in the mirror, you know. <laughs> so anyway, everybody says their own everybody's looking doing looking inward in a variety of ways. Um Well, so let's now talk a little just very briefly speaking about Speaking of Venom out in the world.
0: Venom out in the world, we'll talk a little bit about the media and Um, So uh, my friend Adrian Gray, he's a uh, right of center data guru, um, tweeted – he looked at the Shorenstein Center up at Harvard. They've just released an analysis of all of the news coverage about the campaign. And they find that media coverage that was favorable to Donald Trump was 68 percent of all of his coverage before the primary started was positive to him. In the early primaries, 57% of all coverage of Donald Trump was positive to him. In the late primaries, 46% of all coverage I see was a positive here. to him, right? So it's getting less and less positive as he gets closer and closer to being president. But still, like, that's a, I think that's a shockingly high number. And then, of course, he gets the nomination. Boom. Negative coverage. Out the wazoo. Only twenty three percent favorable coverage for him, which is what a lot of conservatives were saying all along that Donald Trump was going to win the nomination, and then all of a sudden all the bad stuff was going to come out. Didn't wind up mattering. He won the White House anyways. But that was that was a conspiracy theory on the right that I'm like, oh man, there's there's data now.
1: The focus on tr- the coverage of Trump was very big at the Harvard panel. All the panels, oh, every yes, single there was panel. The heckling. The heckling. The Republican primary panel where there was this conversation about whether or not the Trump campaign was in a feud with Fox News. I mean, this this was sort of the second and third tier story of what happened at, um, at Harvard last week. But but it was it was definitely a theme, a recurring theme it was just how do you navigate around the coverage that Trump was getting good or bad? Was it good? Was it bad? Dependent on on what campaign you're with. Um, there was also some And I haven't gotten the decks on this, but if any of you guys and gals are listening, please send it to us. There was a Wesleyan Media Project. There was some conference in New England, I think Monday of this week, where they were talking about a lot of data. People were doing some data about the media coverage, how it influenced people and their views toward race, looking at different ads, breakouts, the percentage of uh, Clinton paid ads that were negative in tone or were policy-related or were character-related versus – what Trump was running. So we're going to dig in a little bit more on that as we hear more. So hello, folks, if you're listening, please send it to us. So I, I tweeted at you, but I didn't I didn't go beyond that. that. That's all I did. I just sent a tweet, but I'm going to try and get some more data because it looked like you guys were really having a good conversation.
0: So Pew Research Center then asked people immediately after the election, how much of an influence do you think that news organizations had on the outcome of the election? So all of these campaign manager folks were saying, the media is why Donald Trump won. The media is why I could never get my candidate to break out in the Republican primary or the media. You know, Jennifer Palmieri in the Democratic primary session saying, you know, the way the media handled the email story will go down in history is the most despicable thing that the media has ever done. You know, I mean, there was right. there was no love for the media. Right. Um, and when voters have been asked, again, this goes back to 1992, do you think that uh, the, the news organizations have had uh, – you know, too much, not enough influence on the outcome of the election. Um, this year was a record high for the percentage saying there was too much influence. 57% saying that news influ- uh, organizations had too much influence on the outcome. Only 27% said about the right amount. But then thir- it's also a record high for too little. 13% mm. saying there was too little influence. And I think part of that is the, you know, the declining trust in media and the rise of sort of fake news. So... Um, Ipsos did a study with BuzzFeed about whether or not people can identify fake news. And they say that fake news headlines fool American adults about 75% of the time, according to a new large-scale study conducted by Ipsos for BuzzFeed News. In the survey, respondents were shown a random selection of six headlines, three true, three false. The six were drawn from a list of 11 headlines gathered from a BuzzFeed News analysis. Um, These were sort of top-performing fake election news articles, um, and so they tested you know, half were false, half were true. And basically asked people... Is this headline very or somewhat accurate? And what they found was that for the real headlines, 83% of people said that's accurate. But for the fake headlines, 75% of people said that's accurate. So this is being billed as look, people were unable to identify what was fake versus real. I am now going to take a little bit of a methodological beef with this. Margie, I'd be interested in your take. At Echelon, we've done things where we're trying to figure out how much has a news story spread, how much have people heard about a headline. And so when we will do these, you know, we'll use a Google consumer survey and we'll say, okay, check the box for each of the following headlines that you've heard of. And we'll do two or three headlines that we are real to see. And then we'll add a fake headline just as like a control, right, to mm-hmm. see how many people are just clicking. Now, granted, the fake headline we're adding is not – a real fake headline, if that makes sense. Right. Like, it's not it's not something that some Macedonian news site created. Nobody has seen it. Nobody's ever seen it before. So the idea is just catching how many people will just click, oh, yeah, I've totally seen that, when it is not something they could have possibly seen anywhere. In this case, the fake headlines are things that really did appear somewhere. There was no news basis for them, but they are things that could actually have been seen on the Internet, on social platforms, and so, the, you know, some stories were believed to be, uh, you know, accurate more than others. Some had been seen more than others. Um, you know, in terms of uh, the question, have you seen, read, or heard about any of the following stories in the past few weeks? Um, Pope Francis shocks the world, endorses Donald Trump for president, releases statement. Okay, so that didn't happen.
1: What? Surprise, because I love that Pope. Pope Francis
0: (laughs) did not endorse Donald Trump. Um, But 19% of people said, yeah, they'd seen that headline, which that's the sort of thing that i that's when I'm talking about my the question we would add about like that. That's not a real. That's not a real headline. But then the, the other question is, you know, how accurate do you think these
1: things are? Um, one other final. well, Margie, And I think what, it's still like, so people are always going to, there's this bias to, to think like, well, if you're asking me about this, then I, may, I must have seen it or it must be true. It's hard for people to enter this thinking that you're trying to get get them, right? And they need to be thinking about yeah. it from with that kind of eye. It's the same thing when you ask favorability and you ask, have you ever heard of, all these people, you could put in some, you know, no-name person and they will get like 2 to 4% hard ID because you're going to have some number of people who think, well, if you're asking me about this person, then they must be a person I should know about. So there's a little bit of that going on, but that doesn't explain, you know, 20% having seen some of these headlines, especially since they're headlines we know people have actually seen. Um, but the accuracy is maybe a little bit of a different Hurdle. So people could say, I don't see that. I haven't seen that headline, but it sounds like it could be accurate. They could be thinking that. Yeah. And
0: FBI agents suspected in Hillary Clinton email leaks found dead in apparent murder suicide. Like, I mean, these are pretty. Whoa, these but, are- but like, wh- why would somebody make that up? I mean, oh, and there, you know, there are conspiracy theories out there that would make you if you already don't like Hillary Clinton, you, I can see somebody being like, yeah, that might have happened. You know, I mean, that's and that's what's really. I was talking to a friend about this yesterday because the whole the, Donald Trump tweeted about Boeing and oh we got to cancel this order for Boeing it's going to be a 4 billion dollar Air Force 1. And apparently the facts are much more complicated than that. It's not actually a come 4 on. billion dollar plane that there's there's other stuff going on there. Um and we were talking about you know what how if you're Boeing like how do you come out and say no, that's not really the case. Like, you know, if you are an industry and Donald Trump one day wakes up in the morning and sees an article about you in the Wall Street Journal and freaks out and tweets and he gets the facts wrong, how do you then come back and say, no, 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 those aren't the facts? And the problem is that in a lot of cases, these things that are fake, they either have a kernel of truth into them or they they like comport with things people already believe. These fake news stories are not the equivalent of telling people Breaking news, the sky is green. Because people can walk outside and they can see that the sky's not green. They know the sky's not green. It doesn't comport with their reality. They're not going to believe it. It's not like all of a sudden some Macedonian teenagers can run with the story. Breaking news, Hillary Clinton makes the sky green. Because people go, yeah, no, you, you didn't. I can, I can see it, right? right? But for things that people can't see, it's different. So, like, the hypothetical that was thrown out to me is what happens if Donald Trump wakes up tomorrow morning and says – you know, drug prices in America skyrocketing. Bad! Exclamation point. (laughs) And you're you're a company and you're like, well, actually, the prices for my drugs haven't gone up. Like, how do you fight back against that? But if somebody's been going to CVS and, you know, getting their prescriptions and they feel like the prices have gone up, you can shout facts all day long and if somebody's reality doesn't match up. And so I think a lot of, like, pre... If you have a pre-existing belief that the Clintons are involved in shady stuff, if you have a pre-existing belief that Donald Trump loves the veterans or whatever, then you're more likely to believe fake headlines that say, oh, Donald Trump sent his own plane to transport 200 stranded Marines. You know, like you're more willing to buy stuff that's not true if there's a piece of it that connects with something you already do right.
1: believe. And it just ties in a couple different words or themes that you've been seeing elsewhere. And then when you add to that the sense that, well, not the sense, but the, the data show that people have completely different types of trust and confidence in different partisan-leaning media outlets or the perception that they're partisan-leaning media outlets. So this is from Marn and Consult. Uh They did a poll saying which media outlets are the most credible. There's a Democratic. You know, they have the results among Democrats, the results among Republicans. And it's a pretty different ranking. I mean, Fox is at the top, obviously, for Republicans, along with Wall Street Journal. You have the three networks at the top of the list among Democrats. Um, the interesting... Kind of mix there is toward the bottom of the list where Huffington Post is seen as very credible among Democrats. It's toward the bottom. It's, you know, kind of even credible, not credible among Republicans. Breitbart and Infowars are, well, I mean. They're both at the bottom. They're at the bottom for both. And I'm actually fascinated that for Republicans,
0: Breitbart is below MSNBC and NPR. I mean, I. And the New York Times. Republicans love to hate on the New York Times. It must be hard. It It must be awareness. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, if you add up these numbers, it's not 100%, right? Right. For Breitbart, it's It's part of its awareness. And so for Breitbart, it's a net positive. But like NPR is a net, is a pretty net positive among Republicans too. So it was fascinating to me. And I also have to say, as an employee of ABC, I was pretty pleased with. The yeah. results for ABC overall. True. I think ABC was top of the list when you look among Democrats. ABC was at the top, right there, paired with CBS, which we are right
1: now. Way in, to go, in, You get an A. We're in the CBS building, right D now taking this, so you get an a. I
0: mean, it's it's it's. There's almost no difference between the broadcast networks on the Democratic side. Same on the Republican side, but let let ABC take their win. Let's take the win. <laughs> the mouse always wins. The mouse always wins. Um, But yeah, the broadcast networks, I mean, in in all cases, all three major broadcast networks were above um, CNN and above MSNBC. It was just among Republicans that you see this like vaulting of Fox way up to the tippy top.
1: Yes. I mean... Yeah, I mean in terms I, of I, credibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's true. I mean InfoWars was I was amazed that it. it is a little comparable for both in terms of being kind of even credible not credible for both groups just lower awareness among democrats. I mean, for all the attention that it's gotten among folks who study all this sort of thing. Um, but Breitbart is more polarizing on the left than it is on the right. I mean, that's,
0: that's I clear. love that 16% of republicans think that the Onion is credible I know. and I love that 22% of democrats think we the love Onion is the credible.
1: Onion. We love the Onion. <laughs>
0: But do you think it's credible? Well, That's what's making not me laugh. On purpose, not <laughs> intentionally. No, like,
1: maybe by accident. I mean, there are there are
0: more than a few onion articles that have spoken that have cut way too deep upon reading them.
1: I love and maybe I've said this on a Republicans show. Republicans
0: perform well among young voters who dress like old men. <laughs> cut cut too close to the core. Uh, man begins having fun at barbecue, only to immediately remember all of his responsibilities at once. <laughs> Welcome to my life. Ouch. Like, so, so the onion may actually be credible for its deep
1: insight to the core of the human soul. <laughs> what about 34% of Americans entitled to their opinion? <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend who was like, we should use that. I'm like, for what? For what exactly? What are you going to use that for? First of all, it's not true. Second of all, <laughs> what are you going to use it for? <laughs> Anyway,
0: all right, so before we pivot fully out of uh, political land, I think the last uh, uh the last American political land story we'll touch on is the electoral college. um so uh, Gallup has been asking, I think going back to two thousand and one at least going back to the uh george w. Bush, Al Gore, you know George W. Bush has just become president. Electoral colleges in the news, they say, would you prefer to amend the constitution so the candidate who receives the most total votes nationwide? Wins the election or keep the current system where the candidate who wins the most votes in the electoral college wins the election. Um, Popular vote has been popular for a long time. Amend the Constitution has pretty consistently had 59, 61, 62% support. But when Gallup re asked it right after this election, support for the popular vote is almost tied with support for keeping the electoral college. So what was once, you know, a 25 point gap is now a two point gap. And it wouldn't surprise me if we looked at the partisan cross-tabs. <laughs> like, you still get your guy. If you're favorable toward, you know, what was it, 48% favorable, 48% unfavorable to Donald Trump? I wonder how strong the correlation is between favorable to Donald Trump and favorable to the Electoral Right, college. and all the Democrats being like, wait a second
1: here, guys. <laughs> Maybe this is, this is not working out for us so well, huh? <laughs> That's certainly the Joel Benenson argument if you listen to our show. Um all
0: right, let's go let's hop the pond.
1: Let's yes. go international. So one of the you know, concerns or issues, one of the things people are thinking about in the post Trump world is what does this mean for other countries that have had similar flirtations with whether it's strong views on immigration or populism or you know, right wing rhetoric. Um, so this is something, this is a trend that's been going on in a variety of other countries and also laying on top of that, this worry about, you know, can we, can we predict how elections are going to go? So, and some of that stuff has been on the minds of folks in Europe. And so what were your thoughts, Kristen, as you were looking at the landscape in France, Italy, Austria? Uh, so in
0: Italy, there were some constitutional reforms that had been proposed by, um, uh, Matteo Renzi uh, had proposed some constitutional reforms. Uh, and it was viewed as, okay, he's this kind of like centristy, technocratic, let's make the EU thing work out kind of guy. And if you voted against that, that was going to be a repudiation of him. The Economist, a magazine that is like not, you know, the most populist, it's pretty like center left, liberal market, woo EU, like publication right they actually came out and said we hope people vote no on this hmm. and it's not because we don't like the centrist pro-eu guy it's because we think this gives too much power it takes too much power away from local governments and centralizes too much of it in the capital and that means that if all of a sudden a, a lunatic becomes the head of italy which happens from time to time. Uh, that would be really bad, so don't do that. So anyhow, uh, the the reforms wound up failing. Um, it was this a case where the polls seemed to get it. Right. I mean, people seemed to think there was a pretty decent chance that no, no was going to prevail. This yes. was not like some big polling. Shock. But you know,
1: when polling gets it right, people the you know the nobody papers nobody
0: talks about it when everything gets it right. Right,
1: the papers are not like polling vindicated worldwide. <laughs> I, news. I do think
0: it does look as though if you look at. Um, this this polling average that it slightly understated the percentage that no finally got. That in the end, no won, you know, 59 to 41. And the polls were showing that it was going to be more like 46, 54. So going from a 10-point margin to a 20-point margin, depending on how you look at it, could be a big miss. I don't know. It, it, is, it did understate the margin by yeah. which no was going to win. But nonetheless, so I, I don't know enough to give a verdict of whether this was a polling failure or not, but no one will think of it as a polling failure because the poll said no was going to win by a lot and no won by a lot.
1: Yeah. I mean, so, if, you know, somewhat related, but since we're looking at Europe in general, um, in the a recent Pew study, oh, this was from earlier in the year, though, they looked at uh, polling across a variety of countries in Europe and Italy was the country just behind Greece that was most likely to say that having an increasing number of people from many different races and ethnic groups and nationalities made their country a worse place to live. A majority said that in Italy, almost two thirds said that in Greece, no other country in Europe came close to a majority saying this would make... The country the and place to notably
0: live. on that question france was among the ones least likely to say that growing diversity would make their country a worse place to live which i think segues into the next piece of this puzzle which is france um so france has a presidential election that's coming up in the spring i was actually in france on my honeymoon during the in the midst of their last presidential election so like As soon as I saw the dates, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's been five years. Like, it'll be my five-year
1: wedding anniversary.
0: (laughs) So now French elections are how I can keep track of, like, how many years I've been married. That's Um, good. Yeah, because when I was over there, it was funny. You know, there's not this, like – insane number of yard signs or whatever like it, but there were like designated places around I was a niece on my honeymoon designated places around the city where there were just you could have two posters each candidate got like one it was like a student council election and its <laughs> level of like heavy regulation I mean I don't mean that to be condescending but it was and it was funny because it was Sarkozy versus Hollande who is the current president and and like the posters really looked like movie posters you know it's like just the the presidential candidates like Face in portrait, like looking off into the distance. I think either Sarkozy or Hollande. It was like water in the background, like like they were, you know, Aquaman going to anyhow. It was it was entertaining. So, the way France's presidential elections work, very briefly, is everybody runs, and then the top two get to move on. Wouldn't that be an interesting way to do our elections here? Think about it, guys. So you have you have everybody run, and then you take the top two, and the top two go to a runoff, and. Um, in this case, what's interesting is you've got your center-left party, which is the Socialists. Current president Francois Hollande, he is the he is a socialist. Uh, he's super unpopular. I think his approval rating's four percent right now. Yeah, it's um, like Chris Christie levels. That's like yeah, and the the South Korean president, which we can talk about that maybe next week. That's what her approval rating looks like right now. But she had a whole thing with the shamanistic cult and bribery, and it's not good. Hollande just people don't like him. if you have I mean, a candidate a lot, a lot if you have there, an but...
1: opponent in your race for whatever who has worse <laughs> numbers than any of these people well, let us let know. us know if you've ever seen an it won't be your own before, client 4%. you wouldn't do that but your opponent so, or a former client so so, <laughs> so
0: Hollande is not running for re-election sees the writing on the wall and you know the socialist party is going to put someone up but in the polls right now that candidate comes in like fifth place so the center left party like i guess france's version of the democratic party even though these analogs are these analogies are not perfect at right. all. But the center leftish party in France, they're going to get destroyed, it seems. Um, then the center right party, which was Sarkozy's party, uh, has sort of struggled to like find its way because of the rise of this woman, Marine Le Pen. She's and again, this she is I should not say she is Francis Donald Trump because there are like a thousand ways in which they're different. But she is the populist. France needs to not cave to multiculturalism. We need to, people need to assimilate if they want to come here. They need to cave into their way of life. We shouldn't have people running around in burkas and things. And, like, it's very nationalist, very anti-EU, very get-the-power-back-from-the-elites. And so she's been growing in popularity. And it is likely that she will be in the top two. Um, so then the question is, who, who, will she, who will be in the top two with her? The center-right party, Sarkozy's party, has nominated someone, Francis Fion. I told you I'm going to butcher all this. Um, He's uh, and he sort of runs a it's a it's a conservative platform, but it's not as full blown nationalist and xenophobic as Marine Le Pen. So then there's this other guy running, and he's the one I wrote my column on today, Emmanuel Macron. He's 38 years old. He's never run for anything before. He's an advisor to Hollande, so he comes out of the center left, but he's not running with the Socialist Party because he sees, like, he'd have to wait in line for his turn and, and he's like not interested in that um he comes from like the banking world you know like wears nice suits whatever uh but he's the guy who like fought to bring uber to france and is very like yay startups like france has these regulations about you can only work 35 hours a week he's like no that's an outdated rule younger workers need to be allowed to work more than 35 hours so he keeps fighting with labor unions so is this weird mix of like Obama in that he's like young and coming out of the center left and this like attractive, well-spoken guy who's like ready to rise up and, you know, has this very sort of cosmopolitan progressive social views. But then there are elements of like Paul Ryanism in like his Mm -hmm. fighting unions. Mm -hmm. And then but then he's also like, we're going to fight the elites. So he's trying to like have populism in there, too. So it'll be interesting. He right now in the polls is getting third place. So it's unclear if he'll actually be able to really make it to that final round, but I'm I'm just fascinated to see is there a market for what his uh, his party has to
1: offer and what his are, new party has and to offer. what are the polling challenges in France of people's so that's you know. yeah because you don't know.
0: You know, here we could poll, we said the two-way and the four-way ballot, right? We're right. going to poll Trump versus Clinton, and then we're going to poll Trump versus Clinton versus Stein versus Johnson versus McMullen. And there you can't really do that. You have to poll, okay, here's the first field. And then if it came down to these
1: two, who would you vote for?
0: If it came down to these two, who would you vote for? You have to have a bunch of different two-way tests at
1: the end. Well, you could do, and this is what you do sometimes if you have a multi-candidate field, to say who is your second choice, and then you yes. reallocate so you could just then – Say You could just take a person out and you say, well, based on what they say, their second choices and they're going to, you know, without if you yeah. took out this person, then this is how. And the would
0: at the moment, it looks as though Marine Le Pen is unlikely to be the president of France. But people said that about Donald Trump and people said that about Brexit. And so that's sort of what she's banking on is, look, even though in the polls right now they're showing her getting blown out by either Macron or um the the center right uh the, it's actually it's called the republicans now in france um that she would get blown out by them in the final round but i mean that could all that could all change that could all change <laughs> got a long way to go this election will be in april we'll keep you posted yes pollsters nation yes
1: yes yes okay so speaking of did Inter- you believe... International fake news stories. <laughs> International
0: fake news stories. We should have talked about the Austrian election and then Krampus, which is the Austrian, like, horrible non-Santa. It's, it's like, okay, carrots and sticks, right? Like, oh, if you're good, Santa will give you presents. That's the carrot. Krampus is the stick. Like, if you're bad, Krampus will come for you.
1: Is this the one that is now, like, becoming a new kind of cultish... I first learned about Krampus in watching thing here. The
0: League on fx there's a I whole episode about trends but yes well, so, yeah but i feel I like krampus I know is having a moment like, i think yeah. there was a horror movie about krampus last christmas or maybe it's this christmas i don't know time's a blur for me it's but like if it's you like zombies
1: happening. and halloween you also like krampus right is that
0: that yeah. yes so this did not ask a question about krampus it does ask about santa though no. did you believe in santa claus as a child uh this poll was conducted by ipsos Yes, and turns out eighty-one percent
1: of people say they believed in Santa when they were as a kid. Fifteen percent said no. Well, because they probably were not Christian, among other things. Good point. Good yes. point. Um, I wonder, or just hmm, you know, I mean, I'm surprised. Been... In fact, it's that high because I think there are probably quite a few people who ah. were they skipped through that, or they were in that phase for a very short period of time. Etc. Um, is it your
0: impression that belief in santa claus is going up going down or staying the same 44 <laughs> percent of people think that fewer people are believing santa claus these days this is I why know. we need to make america <laughs> this is this is add this as number 857 of like
1: reasons why trump won people are like people don't think that children don't believe in santa claus right, anymore so war on christmas is having an effect i mean the fact that I mean, 35% of pe- people say someone in their household believes in Santa. And so they're not, this is not broken out by parental status, obviously. Um, and this is a whole thing when you have young kids, which is how long do you let them believe in Santa? What if some other kid at school ruins Santa for them? Like, how much do you push Santa? Is it like a thing you really, like, you gotta make sure they believe, or is it just like a kind of. <laughs> A fun thing you talk about, and then you don't know, you don't know, or you're not paying attention to how, belie- how firmly they believe it or not. I, I was real <laughs>
0: CSI about the whole situation when I was a yeah. kid. Like, um, I'm pretty sure that the bite marks on that carrot would not match up with what the Easter Bunny's teeth would have done. <laughs> I demand forensic investigation. Why does Santa Claus's handwriting look so much? like dads <laughs> let's get a handwriting analysis done dad come over here no i i i confess well i i don't i don't want to say what if there are kids listening
1: and there like are no kids who've made it to 45 through 45 minutes of the pollsters they're asleep <laughs> if they are young enough so to believe in santa they are asleep I have two younger
0: sisters and i believed in santa until one day like my mom sort of assumed that I didn't anymore and kind of was like, oh, I'm getting this thing for your sister, but it's going to be from Santa. And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. And then my little heart was like, oh,
1: oh, okay, I guess, I guess not. Oh, Yeah, in our family. <laughs> so, I mean, it was not a big thing for me when I was a kid. But if for my children and for my nieces, it's what and my husband's family, one of the, his uncles would always dress up as Santa and like come in and the kids would be like. Where's Uncle Jeremy? Oh, it doesn't matter. Hey, it's Santa. You
0: know. <laughs> so not a CSI level. This no. was not like well, a deep five,
1: investigation. There were five, you know, four. <laughs> there were five brothers, right? You know, so they were four uncles. So it was kind of easy to, for one of them to disappear and for people to not know. <laughs> um, and so we've tried to carry that on. But there's really, that means it's just my husband. It's my husband every time. Or we have a friend come over and dress as Santa and like always somebody freaks out. Like, like there's, nobody has not been scared by Santa. are like not Krampus, guys. Like, every picture is oh, like... Oh, you're scared of the it's Batman. Like, Wait it's, till Krampus comes for you. It's Jewel <laughs> slash friend and, like, some screaming kid. Like, there's oh. never... Yeah, so Santa, even in the comfort of our own home, is a little scary. I feel
0: bad for those kids who and, and i know we're we're getting to the end of the show we got to wrap up but i always whenever i'm at a mall around the holidays which is always a bad idea in and of itself there are all these those lines for like two hours of like parents waiting to get their kids picture taken with santa and i'm like maybe this is one of those things like if one day i have kids like i'll really want to do this but i just don't get it is there no alternative
1: is there no? The kids are all screaming and crying. Anyways, they don't want to tell Santa what they want. Yeah, but you want the picture, and if it's a picture of them screaming and crying, that is also good. That's like
0: that's. But that. the two-hour
1: wait just oh yeah, the two-hour two looks like this no. Can't you don't want to be fun. You don't want to do a two-hour wait for anything. I don't certainly, but I have taken uh, Lucy and Beckett to see Santa just because we. I don't know. I didn't have anything to do that day or whatever. I thought it would be funny and. Like Lucy was like scared as scared of that Santa as she was as Dad <laughs> slash friend Santa and um and Beckett was like this is fine I'm a baby but um but like and the picture is, and he's extra creepy like I was scared of Santa like the picture is really e- excellent and it's creepiness it's definitely one of those like okay. creepy Santa yeah, photos from the 70s but idea. updated to modern times so you know and I've heard other people are like oh yeah look how much my kid is crying in this one like that's definitely part of the, part of the thing is like how much like how crazy can your Santa photo be at least as a non-Santa a person that's what that's one of the joys that's i get the joys of christmas for me i get it now i get
0: it now All right. you're welcome
1: to take my children to go see (laughs) santa and so you can have that joy for yourself (laughs) i'm gonna show up as krampus at my christmas party that's gonna happen all right (sighs) what'd we learn this week okay so here's a real news story with multiple polls about pollsters we've hit peak pollsters although no one seems to be getting an a for effort people are still working at the kinks about how to test Trump's conflicts of interest, and if it's hard to explain in a question, then, oh, I'm sure it all be fine. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> the pollsters' transition team is in full force. We've put all our podcast revenue so far into a blind trust, handled by my one-and-a-half-year-old. The downside is he sits in on all my meetings and is an obnoxious tweeter. <laughs> and meanwhile, with pe- while people continue to feel our country's off on the wrong track and more say belief in Santa's decreasing, is this a correlation? Causation? You tell us.
0: You can find the pollsters at at the pollsters on Twitter or individually. We're at Margie O'Meara and at K. Saltis Sanderson. We're at www.thepolsters.com where you can find links to all of the various polling resources that we think are valuable. Send us links if anything's missing there. Make sure you follow us on Facebook throughout the week. We'll post links to stories that we think are fascinating and might talk about on the coming show. Please listen to us, subscribe, and write a review. We love to hear from you. We love to uh, correspond with you, hear your thoughts on the show. So let us know. Great. Thank you.